You are now listening to Abstract Thought, a podcast where creatives from many different disciplines discuss their work, passions, experiences, and much more. Today, we're sitting down with none other than photographer Michael Durr. How you doing, man? Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you as well. Thanks for having me. Definitely, dude. Um, I've been seeing your photography on Instagram for a while, and you snapped a photo of me actually painting a mural. Yeah. Probably, I think it was, what, last year or so? I think so, yeah. Um, and I think you emailed it to me, which was super nice of you. Appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an honor chilling with you and I'm excited to learn more about your creative process, your experiences and whatnot. Um, but before we get started, where can our listeners see your work online as we chat about it? So just plug away. Yeah. I mean, as you said, Instagram's kind of my primary social media presence. Uh, it's at Instadur and uh, my last name's Dur, D-U-R-R. So I go by that. It sounded really cool when I made that account like 10 years ago, <laughs> but uh, I've stuck with it and I haven't changed it. So now it's just like kind of part of my brand, I guess. But uh, I michaeldur.com is where I have some of my, you know, video work and it's kind of more of like a portfolio site. Nice. Uh, I also do work with photopxl.com, which is run by a local photographer here in town by the name of Kevin Raber. And he does kind of all things photography. Um, you know, I help him. I do video content for the website. We'll talk about gear, you know, all sorts of different photography related it things. It gets dense. It, <laughs> it can get dense. <laughs> There's a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff going on there and he focuses on, on print and, you know, new cameras, higher end cameras. Uh, so it's, it's really fun working with him. And, uh, he's actually the, the reason I went to Antarctica. <laughs> nice, man. That's super cool. Uh, first and foremost, for our listeners, just if you can tell us who you are, what's your background? Yeah, so again, my name is Michael Durr. I came from uh, Chicago. Uh, I grew up in the west suburbs of Chicago. I uh, went to school at Illinois State uh, for college and studied broadcast journalism. So I was a television guy, like right out of uh, nice. right out of college, which is pretty crazy. I worked at a couple of TV stations in central Illinois. Uh, I kind of I started at a for some of you may remember, there was a, a network called the UPN. It's, it doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I started working at that station, and uh, I actually got laid off my first job because the that station was absorbed by a larger station in our in our like, in our area. Um, so it was nothing that I did, but it was like still traumatizing for a, a young guy mm-hmm. being right out of school to be all of a sudden like out of, out of a job when you're living paycheck to paycheck. How long after you started there did that happen? Uh, it wasn't long. It was about a, about a year, probably not even a year actually. Okay. But, um, you know, it, it was one of those things I had met, you know, being young as well, you're very flexible. <laughs> so I actually had some friends that I worked with that ended up working at another TV station uh, just down the way in Champaign, Illinois. And he put in a good word for me. And I actually ended up basically doing the same thing that I was doing at the other station at a bigger and better station. <laughs> nice. It was a CBS affiliate. So I worked there for about a year and a half. All the while working there, I, I knew I wanted to get back up to Chicagoland. So I eventually... Uh, found a job at, a, a, it's called CLTV, it's Chicagoland Television. It's kind of like a news, like a 24-hour news station uh, in Chicago. And I worked there for about about six months, actually. What was that like? <laughs> uh, it was cool. I worked on some longer form shows there. So I worked on, um, there was a, sh- a show called Making Money in Real Estate. <laughs> and uh, there was, actually I did a UFC show, which was hilarious. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, and it, it was a couple of things like that, longer form, uh, which I had not done really before. So that was really fun to learn. And um, I, I was only there a short time because I kind of had my heart set on this position at a place called the marketing store. And uh, I had applied there and kind of went through some some early interviews and came across a couple of people that I met there and uh, somehow managed to get get my way in and uh, started working there. So I had some of my, to this day, some of my best friends are from that from that job. I was there for about five years. I actually think to this day, it's the longest tenure I had at any of my jobs. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so I learned a ton there. Um, and it was super fun. We worked for McDonald's primarily. So Dang. I traveled a lot around the country covering different McDonald's sponsorship events and things like that. What a life, man. It was crazy. It was fun. Uh, I worked on the McDonald's Monopoly program. So it's not as glamorous as it may seem, but uh, we had some cool shoots and things. Dang. And I actually shot a picture um, that was printed on the fry box during the Monopoly nice. game. Nice. So it was pretty cool to like basically know that you had an image that was printed like all over the country. <laughs> yeah, that's a super infamous campaign too. It, it was. Yes, it was. <laughs> There's some whole back. That's probably another podcast. There's a whole another <laughs> story the behind story. Monopoly. So. <laughs> yeah, I think I saw the the McMillions documentary. Have that's right. That? Yeah, that that goes into a lot of the details. So I know a lot of the people that were like involved with that. Uh, the marketing store was kind of born out of that that whole Dang. debacle, which is kind of crazy. That's <laughs> nuts, man. Yeah. yeah, the amount of variables that were in that whole story, and and I don't know for those of you listening to the podcast who haven't seen that, I definitely suggest it. It's pretty interesting. It is really cool. It's but actually a cool story. But even just behind, regardless of the McMillions controversy, just behind the amount of production and yep. the amount of variables for all the prizes and all that, I bet there was tons to shoot. So crazy, and especially working in, in the creative side of things, it's a little easier for us being photographers. But we had to to basically comp up a lot of the packaging and stuff. So when designers would create designs for the packaging, we had to physically make those boxes. So a lot of my my job there was standing at a table, an X-Acto blade, <laughs> cutting out fry boxes and putting them together. That's nuts. <laughs> so I could I could uh, construct a Big Mac box and a Nugget box. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome, that dude. <laughs> That's crazy, man. Um, I have just a list of different questions. Uh, some of them from the previous podcast we've had just aggregated of different things that people have asked through my Instagram to ask other creatives. Cool. Um, so one of the first ones we have is, do you remember some of the first photos you took as a kid or, you know, later? And what were they? It's a great question. Um, I do remember some of them. Um, one of them in particular. So it's funny. I, I never had any, really any formal training in photography, like educational, educational wise. Uh, the only real photography class I had was a film class in college. And before that, I just really liked photography. I didn't have, uh, there was no photography class in my high school. I had no exposure to it earlier than that. Um, my mom took a lot of pictures, so I always liked <laughs> like trying to, you know, use the film camera, but never really, never really uh, used it all that much. But some of the first shots that I took that I really liked were from disposable cameras. Nice. <laughs> you know, the little plastic, like, yeah, yeah. like those things. The little wine back. Exactly. And one of the earlier photos that I remember that I still sometimes look at today, uh, one of my best friends from high school, we, we went out and we went sledding. And it was like, for some reason, we went, it was nighttime. 
So you have oh yeah this dispo- this disposable camera and with flash with a flash on it you know that you get like one flash like every shot or whatever. So we would try to time it. We built these little ramps for like saucer sleds, and then you know like as, as I'd come down, you know he'd snap or I'd snap. And to, the, I still remember there's a shot of me and it's pitch black around and there's like this jet stream of like snow nice. like behind me. I'm in midair. Uh, just sitting on the saucer set, probably like six or seven feet off the ground. You're just like, I'm even, I'm evil Knievel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But, uh, the fact that we shot that with a disposable camera is just like, it's hilarious to me. So that's so rad. That was probably one of, one of the first ones that I, I still remember like to this day. That's so <laughs> cool, man. Do you get it like developed? Do you have the print? Oh yeah. Like I still have the print. I actually like scanned it. So I have it like digitally and stuff nice. as well. So yeah, I kept, I kept a lot of stuff, um, that I'd shot on those types of cameras, just scanned them in one time when that was a thing, you know, you'd yeah. sit in your room and like buy one of those cheap scanners and scan in four by six prints. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Man. So, um, have you always been a photographer or artist? I like to think that I have always been, I've always known what I, what I liked or what I wanted to do. And it was photos and video. Like my very first video, I think I ever edit was, my of my sister's graduation I, I ended up i don't even to this day i probably couldn't do what i did really <laughs> i somehow managed to get two uh vcrs together so her video was playing on one it was recording to another and then i had some sort of like a boom box or audio player or something hooked up that was playing a green day song <laughs> epic dude and the green day song was playing at the same time that the tape uh, was playing and it recorded to another VHS tape to this day. Like, Analog I, I, video. Editing. Yeah. I don't think I could, I, I don't think I could do that today. Like, I don't know how, how I did that, but it worked. I, I still have that cassette tape. I don't know if it actually plays cause I don't nice. have anything to play on it, but yeah, I've always known that like, I, I've always been like, uh, like videos appealed to me and it's something I wanted to do. Uh, that's why when I went to college, I got into broadcast. Uh, I, I, my family and myself like couldn't really afford film school. It was always, you know, pretty expensive to get into really? and stuff. So, um, you know, I just kind of went to Illinois State, and I it was a good broadcast school, and I ended up taking the television route, and it's gotten me to where I am today. I, don't, I wouldn't have changed anything about it, but nice, dude. you know, and, and even before that, like <laughs> uh, my very one of my very first jobs. Uh, I went like I went to as a caddy at a golf course, and I don't think I even finished the first day. I really, was like, I'm not I'm not doing this. <laughs> <laughs> and right after that, um, I went to the the nearest uh, Blockbuster Video, and really? uh, I put in an application there. And as I'm walking out, I run into this my neighbor, my next door neighbor. Um, I was a UPS driver. He was delivering stuff there. And he saw me and he said, hi, he's like, what are you doing? I said, oh, I'm, I just applied to work here. And about a day or two later, his name was George. A day or two later, I got a call from like the store owner of the Blockbuster. And <laughs> she says, she brings me in for an interview and uh, putting up air quotes there. But uh, <laughs> he, he, uh, she says, you know, George. And I said, yeah, he, he's my next door neighbor. She says, don't disappoint him. And, and that's all. That was my interview. <laughs> so she, he must have put in. I would love to know what he said to her, but uh, uh, I don't, and I don't know. But I, he, they hired me on the spot. So, and I worked there for 
like years, like I over breaks, like co- from college and stuff. I'd work and work. That's that was my so first, cool. my first job. I loved it. It was so fun. Did you get discounts on films? Uh, we did. We got, you know, we got the movies like the, before they were out for the, for people to actually rent. And it was, <laughs> that, awesome. that, that in itself could probably be another whole episode. That's so cool. <laughs> I got some dude. good blockbuster stories. I bet, man. It's, <laughs> it's probably pretty neat to have all of those films at your disposal you yeah, know. and it was just a great place to work as like a younger kid or whatever. You know, it's like walk around, talk to people about movies, hmm. and you're working late, which is kind of fun. You know, the place closed at midnight when I worked there, and uh, it was fun. Met a lot. Of, I still have friends from from those days and stuff. So that's so that cool, was, man. That was fun. <laughs> yeah, it's like in a way you're. I don't know. There's kind of at least in my mind, there's like a stereotypical, you know, dude or chick that works at like the home video and it's like it's like a whole persona you know what I it mean? is and it's so funny you say that it's like a cultural I, I i always joke like if you go back and like you youtube like blockbuster commercials like you'll see me in those commercials <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> I, I look like the blockbuster kid i had the spiky hair always like, like leaning over the counter yeah <laughs> I had the you know the the baggy cargo like khaki pants on and it was Did you like ask people questions too like so have you seen the second one? And like, <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> we'd always talk talk movies with people. It was kind of a crazy time because, and I won't go too far down this because I could oh, talk about good. this for a while. But it's fun. Like you don't no, you don't have that experience anymore of like walking into a place like that and arguing with your friends on like what movie <laughs> you want to get. Now everything is you know at your disposal uh, on your TV, but. There was something, it was fun. Like, even now, I kind of miss it a little bit. <laughs> I bet. Um, you know, just talk, walk into the hall, or walk into the halls and look at different movies that are out and seeing what what's available to rent and what's been checked out and, like, oh, what did I miss out on? You know, that kind of stuff is pretty pretty fun. So Yeah, it's probably a cool perspective to see as, you know, a creative like yourself seeing, you know, which films are successful, which films are yeah. complete bust that no one's going to want to watch. That's true. <laughs> you know, you kind of build a mental framework of, you know, probably the films that you connect with that you like, and then you're like, oh, I want to make stuff kind of like that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like, psh, when you have budgets for movies, it's just like astronomical. Oh, so. yeah. And I've never uh, considered myself a filmmaker. Like, that's a much different... Um, really? Different vertical. Like, a filmmaker to me is somebody that, you know, crafts their shots, you know, it's planned out. You're working off a script. You're working with multiple people that are specialized in certain areas. I never did that. I never worked on a film and I didn't even work with actors all that much. Um, I was very much like a broadcast guy, which is really just me running around with a camera (laughs) and crafting stories of kind of everyday people. And it's usually shooting an interview with somebody that, you know, there's no, I mean, we have questions, obviously, but there's no, like, script that you're working off hmm. of. So it's it's cool for me because I feel like the YouTube generation and, and the social media world now, working in broadcast at, at when that stuff didn't exist was, like, perf- the perfect training for, yeah. like, what we live in every day now. <laughs> I bet, man. Because it's, like, the... All, you're, all we do now is tell stories with visuals and video and stuff like that. So I was like eons ahead of a lot of people because I had already been doing it for television. So it's kind of a, an interesting background. But, I mean, I, I love filmmakers. I would love to work on, on films, but it's, I definitely don't consider myself one. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know there was the distinction like that. But, it, I mean, it's like anything once you get into 
yeah. you know, you've got motion graphics, you've got graphic designers, you've got, you know, all the different, I guess, categorical sections that people fall into. Yeah, exactly. Um, when you said you were, when you went to school, there was like the broadcasting track. What was the other track or uh, There was the artist track. So there was like, f- like film, I guess you'd call it. <laughs> film school uh, at the school that I I went to but it was more of the like art in the art department and it was more they weren't really set up to do like filmmaking um, hmm. so it wasn't it didn't have a lot of that that type of equipment and things so it was more like learning film like through books and and watching film and stuff like that um, and kind of studying it which I don't think that would not have been nearly as valuable to me, <laughs> um, especially unless I was going into some other school to learn like the production side of things. Mm. Uh, I would have had like this, maybe this great wealth of filmmaking knowledge, <laughs> but I wouldn't Film know how to do anything. Yeah. <laughs> so the best thing about the broadcast uh, route was that, you know, we're in there. Tactile, quicker. Yeah, everything's fast because, you know, you're working on stories. They, they make it feel it was a functioning news station. So, like, we'd go out, we have to cover stories, run deadlines, all the principles that you have to abide by in the real world. That's awesome. <laughs> um, and so I learned that early on. And we're out there with equipment that's been beat up. And, you know, you have to take your gum out and stick something together to make <laughs> it work, you know, and, and stuff like that. But that was awesome because that's how the, the real world is, you know. Yeah. You don't come out of school, you know, and this is kind of my distinction between film school and going the route that I did. You know, sometimes these film schools have the most high-end brand new stuff that exists. (laughs) And uh, then they come out and they realize like, oh, you know, they feel a little bit higher because I used this stuff in college, you know, but that stuff not every business has (laughs) or not everyone has access to. So then you're working with less than, than what you started out at right right rather than going the other way so i feel like in some way and i'm not saying this is true of everyone but in some ways sometimes the film film students will come out with like a little bit you know high egos and stuff Mm. like that (laughs) that makes sense me i was like uh i I think i could do this (laughs) i think i can make this with this camera or or something like that so that's wild again not talking bad about any filmmaking students or anything like that no it doesn't come across that way yeah it's it's been my experience over the years working with younger people that have come out of college i've worked with both you know students from film and from broadcast Hmm. so (laughs) definitely yeah like i feel like when i went to art school there was definitely the graphic designer program and then there was the artist program and the the graphic designers were like you know, we want an internship. We would like to, yeah. you know, work with a local business or, you know, work with a non-for-profit. And the artists were just like, you know, yeah, so I'm just doing this thing. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't really know where it's going, but here we are, which I always, as the graphic design student I was, kind of looked at that like, oh, you know, what's the future going to look like for somebody like that? But at the same time, that's just, it's just a completely different way of thinking. And it now is. that I've transitioned from graphic design to being an artist, I can... I don't know. It's weird because like they've had valuable experiences during their their schooling that I would definitely have benefited from. You know, they have years of painting in a studio where exactly. You know, I didn't have any experience in a studio per se. Right. So I bet with filmmaking, it's probably similar. Where you know, people like yourself are tuned for that industry, like you said, to just crank out work, be a quick problem solver, and just yeah. make deadlines, make sure things hit. Filmmaking is a bit more like just like an artist, maybe a bit more abstract or something. 
I also think a good distinction is like filmmaking is a very collaborative process. Like you can't takes tons of people. You can't like make a film by yourself. (laughs) Like you can be, you could, you could write, you could do stories and stuff by yourself. And uh, you know, like as a broadcast, maybe you do a documentary by yourself, but even then that would be pretty, pretty difficult. You know, you got lighting, you got audio. The equipment's crazy. Yeah. All these different things that you need to keep track of. Um, in some ways I wish I had access to people, um, like that more often i try to when i can but you know budgets are small these days for for those types of projects and i just try to do the best with the equipment that i have (laughs) and you know utilize the tricks i've learned over over my career but you know we're recording this at the box media and production space you know places like this where you can come and you got someone like Derek Derek Tao who owns the place that lets they have their toes in yeah those they let they let people in here he lets people in here to to you know work together and collaborate and stuff and a lot of times he doesn't even charge people to do that like because he believes in the end product and wants to see people succeed so if you can find people like that, um, that people will, like that rock yeah that will just like su- support you in your creative endeavors. Uh, not to say that everyone gets it for free, but <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Definitely. Um, do you have any early influences in, in your craft as a, you know, videographer or whatever title you want to call in photographer, whether that be family, friends, teachers, or maybe something you experienced early on or an influential film or something? These are great questions. Like Thanks, this. buddy. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, so I didn't have anybody that I – like growing up as a younger kid that I had the opportunity to like truly look up to as like, uh, wow, I want to, I want to do that. Um, I just kind of knew what I liked and I never really looked back. <laughs> I just tried to figure out, to be. yeah, I just tried to figure out how to do what I like. Um, I just, I don't know where that came from or it just tried to m- make myself happy by doing stuff that I enjoyed. Um, so th- I think that in combination with a lot of the friends I made, um, especially even in high school, I had a, a friend um, who actually works for Warner Brothers uh, out in Burbank. Wow. Uh, his name's Dustin, and he uh, he and I hit it off in high school because we basically were like the same same person. We like <laughs> we liked the same movies, and we would always talk in movie quotes, which we still do to this day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's one of my my oldest friends. Um, you know, he and I we would take his parents like vhs recorder and like you know at that point it was like the little jvc mini ones or whatever and we try to like he actually put together a a movie with that we had like this this guy who was in our our high school that was getting into acting and he acted in the in the film and stuff and it was so fun like he it it was my friend who put that all together he edited that all together on final cut um which was pretty awesome but uh, he was a good inspiration for me, like just bouncing ideas off yeah. each other, having that same kind of creative energy. And then from there in college, I met uh, two twins, Jesse and Jordan, and they, they became like probably my best friends uh, as far as like that that were in my classes. <laughs> like I, I met a lot of friends in college, but it was mainly through like the dorms and the places that the things that I was doing. Right. But these two guys were we were again like the same type of people we, we loved shooting stuff and like putting together they were better than i was at the time <laughs> they got two people i like to think that i, I got a little closer but i don't have as many emmys as uh, jordan does <laughs> <laughs> jordan stayed in the in the television uh route um but we have actually traded off getting each other jobs he was the guy that got me the job at uh, the cbs station after i got laid off 
And then it, it just so happened that when I moved to Chicago and started working for CLTV, I got him a job nice. um, when, I, when I was leaving. And he ended up staying there for quite some time and uh, worked on a show called Chicago's Best, which is like a food show. Hmm. And he's won multiple Emmys for the stuff that he's put together there for that okay. show. And his show is awesome. That's cool. So like when you're, when your friends like that succeed and then, you know, you feel like you're a part of it and have worked together for so long. Um, that's kind of what, what's really inspired me. And the same thing at the marketing store, like I worked with a couple guys there, uh, one in particular, you know, Cal, my buddy, he's like one of my best friends, uh, to this day. And we like, <laughs> we were the guys that were like in the editing room all night, you know, putting together these things for like a big pitch, uh, the next morning or something like that. So it was just a whole different mentality at that. And we traveled together. We went to one of the, the best things that we did or best projects we did. We traveled to Washington DC for a McDonald's job and I was doing uh, photo. He was doing video. It like, it was just such a cool, cool, like trip. That's and, rad. Uh, really like, uh, like a fun creative thing. And I, I still, to this day, like I'll send him videos that I'm in process of editing and he'll give me feedback on it and stuff. Same thing with Jesse and Jordan. Like I'll send them stuff. I mean, this is like over the course of almost 20 years of, of stuff that we've been friends. And I still, to this day, will send them stuff and get their opinions on it and stuff. So That's I never huge. had, I guess never had anyone like that was truly like a mentor that was like, that taught me everything I know. <laughs> I just kind of figured it all out as I went along, and I, I hope that I've maybe been a mentor to some people yeah. <laughs> along the way, which is which is cool. So that's cool, man. It's always neat to hear like different people who just kind of bounce back and forth, and like I feel like people who do photography and whatnot also have this kind of tight knit network of people that have very specific, you know, talents or disciplines that you can go to if you have a question and. You know, it seems like people are pretty ready and willing to assist if there's something they know that, you know, oh, hey, you can borrow my lens or something for X amount of however long you need to shoot yeah, some project. For sure. Yeah, that's definitely true. And uh, one of the things, like I've, I've always surrounded myself with people that are, you know, that, that work hard and, you know, like what they do. And like I... I feel like in some ways I've just always have done what I, what I do. Sometimes I feel like I haven't gotten any better. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like I'm just doing the exact same thing I did like in college. But then I look back on some of that stuff. I'm like, oh, I guess I got a little bit better. <laughs> <laughs> That's wild. Um, do you remember what kind of gave you the photography bug? Was it a certain experience or a certain job or something? Um, well, there's kind of two sides to it. So photography, it, like I'd always been interested in, um, but I, again, I didn't have any real formal training. The the most I learned about photography from when I was in college was from a photographer who worked for the newspaper, uh, the campus newspaper. Uh, her name was Lindsay, and she she really taught me like how to use a digital camera, <laughs> like cause I didn't know how, and like taught me what a raw file was and things like that. And I loved shooting for the newspaper because you would see your stuff printed. Like, so the next day, you know, quicker or, turnaround. Yeah, you you'd go and you get the the paper once a week or whatever, and your pictures are in there with your name underneath. Like, I loved that. Um, and I and it's funny. Like to this day, I I've been shooting for uh, the Town Post Network and the Broad Ripple Magazine. 
And uh, I still, to this day, when I see my pictures printed, I'm like, oh, that's cool. You know? That's awesome. <laughs> so I, I always liked the the idea of printing my work uh, as a photographer. That was always kind of like a, a reason for doing hmm. it, I guess. Um, but from the video side, it was like a, a little bit different because I, I just like telling stories. Um, so if I could share a story or figure out how to make somebody laugh or, or something like that through a video, like then that, that was, you know, equally as inspiring. But I don't think there was any like big aha moment when I was like, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life kind of a thing. Hmm. I just, just kind organic. of, yeah, I just kind of like, I, 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 maybe it's, it is a unique thing to, cause I know a lot of people who don't know what they want to do. Yeah. You know? I feel like I never had that, that issue. That's <laughs> I was awesome, like, man. I always just knew what I wanted to do. And I didn't really care if like, like money or whatever was never all that important to me. Like I lived, I lived at my parents' house for five years after college because like I just didn't have any money. Yeah. <laughs> and but I was working. Like I was doing a lot of work. I saved a lot of money, and it it worked out in doing that because, in doing that and saving that money, I was able to do things that other friends and things were not able to do. Like I moved to downtown Chicago. Um, when my wife and I met in Chicago, we ended up moving downtown, uh, together and lived like right in the West loop in a high rise. It's like so awesome. And then we moved up to Ravenswood for a year and then, uh, more recently moved back here to Indianapolis where her family's from. So it's like just one of those things. I just kind of just continued to do what I like. And if you do what you like to do, you'll never feel like you're working, you know? I mean, there's going to be good days and bad days like any job, but for um, sure, you know, certainly the good days are, are more than the, than the bad. So that's awesome, man. Um, what is a day to day for you in, in your current realm? <laughs> oh God. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I threw a wrench, uh, my wife and I threw a wrench into that, uh, recently. So just recently, like in the past two weeks, uh, I've taken over as the, uh, publisher of the Broad Ribble magazine. Nice. So as I was just stating, and it's funny, like doing this, this talk with you and, uh, like I'm starting to see a lot of things. I'm like, maybe this is like a perfect opportunity for me because <laughs> yeah. I, I, like I was just saying like how I like to see stuff printed. I like telling stories and, um, you know, on a local level going all the way back to when I was working at TV stations, it's kind of what I'm doing now with this or what I plan to do with this magazine is make it something that people look forward to getting in their, in their mailbox. Um, it gets mailed out to 7,000 residents in, in Broad Ripple. I'm hoping to expand that over, over time. Uh, it gets distributed to another like 3000 people. So if I could like, you know, shoot and hire other photographers to shoot and other writers to write stories and help craft the local stories and work with local artists and create video content that would will link out of the magazine and create a social media presence around it. Like I really do feel, and I hadn't really not have thought about this until right now <laughs> uh, after going through kind of my whole little career, but this job is kind of like all things combined. Into, Perfect into one. It's yeah. It's like it's marketing, photography, video, it's local, it's uh, you know, quick turnaround timelines, like, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, it's funny, like talking about this now, I'm like, I'm like getting excited about it. I'm like, Oh, cool. This, this might actually be a good, a good opportunity. So it sounds like it, man. <laughs> it sounds like a really cool opportunity. Um, this next question is a bit kind of off the wall, but, do, uh, do you listen to music while shooting or editing? And if so, what kind and why? It's funny. I, I don't like, I, I very rarely have music on 
when I'm doing any sort of of work. Um, especially, well, obviously with video, you can't because right. you're listening to the tracks. Rewinding um, and it's like... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, it's a lot of, yeah, quick uh, talking that you're hearing and stuff like that. And I, li- I like music and I, I like listening to it. But even with photography, I find that like some people like to listen to music and they like get in the zone, you know, a little mm. bit, like the editing zone. And I never trained myself that way, I guess. Like I always kind of just sat and like, I guess, focused in on what I was doing. Um, I actually blame Blockbuster a little bit for this <laughs> because we, uh, you know, we used to have to play this. It was like a 10 minute loop that would play in the store, right? So it'd be a constant, like, you know, whatever commercial was playing or whatever preview was playing. So you're, you're in there for eight hours and you hear this thing like a million times oh, and it's super loud, you know, kind of loud. I think that job trained me to just not hear Tune anything. stuff out. Yeah. <laughs> My wife will, will attest. Uh, she's like, you don't listen. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm just trained. Blog, <laughs> blockbuster, man. I'm trained to focus. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've never really had music playing in the background all that often. I just kind of just look at what I'm doing and. I don't know. Just just stay focused on it, on it, I guess. But it's entertainment enough. <laughs> yeah, it's more leisure. Yeah, yeah. That's I'll listen to it in the car, and you know, nothing wrong like with that. that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, do you do photography and video stuff professionally full time, or is it like a side gig situation, or kind of what does that look like? Yeah, it's always been my full time source of income. Granted, when I moved to Indianapolis about four years ago, the, the, moving here. Um, is kind of a crazy story in itself because I left my agency job in Chicago. My new son was just born. <laughs> we moved to Indianapolis. I didn't know anybody here except for my wife's parents and brother. That's wild. <laughs> and that was four years ago. Um, so when I moved here, it was a basically a complete, a completely different life all of a sudden. Dang. And I didn't have a job. Uh, I had a new son, a new house, a new city. <laughs> so it took a while for me to like kind of like figure everything out. But I knew that when we moved that I was going to give it a go and just try to go full-time freelance and just do photography and video. But I would also like be part part daycare as well, like for right. my son. And um, my wife works from home as well. She has a full-time job. So it's like it worked out well. It was a, it's, it's to this day. It's a lot of you know, yin and yang throughout the day. A lot right. of back and forth. Like figure it out day by day. But I met. I, I managed to get um, some jobs right off the bat, and I met a ton of people. And actually, shooting with the Town Post Network uh, introduced me to a lot of people around town, and worked with business owners, and yeah, ended up working with uh, different marketing groups and things like that, and doing video content and. It's been great. Like so, now this magazine is probably going to take <laughs> a little more precedent on some of that stuff. But um, one of the other things I like to mention is looking back, I freelanced for every single job that I left. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of a, one of those things. Like you know, you, you always want to leave on a, a good note and keep your relationship positive or whatever. Like every place that I left, and I had worked. Let's see, let's see, one, two, three, I think about eight jobs basically that I was at for like a year or more and I freelance like did freelance work for each one of those jobs. That's awesome. Yeah. And continue to like to this day, I'm working on a project right now for a job that I had about eight years ago. 
<laughs> so cool, man. So it's kind of cool, like those relationships uh, that you can keep for so long. So definitely, man. I don't even know if that answered the question. No, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, where originally are you from? Are you from the Chicago area, is that what you said? Yeah, I grew up in the west suburbs. Uh, most people won't be familiar with the Westmont, but I grew up in Down- Downers Grove area. It's like straight west of Chicago, about 25 minutes. Nice. Yeah. So what was it like when you moved to Indy? I mean, it's a little bit culturally, like, <laughs> maybe slower, per se. Chicago's um, a pretty quick yeah, place. Yeah, I mean, to go from downtown Chicago, where we were living, uh, to Indianapolis was a bit of a culture shock, uh, just different. It's just different. Like Chicago is a big, huge city and we were living right in the mix of it all. And, um, you know, there's a lot of energy you get from that. Plus like being close to the lake, like it, I'll, I won't say that it was easy. <laughs> um, but I went into it with, uh, I think a good attitude and, um, wanting to kind of make my mark a little bit and, take all the experiences experiences that I had in Chicago and kind of bring them here, which was like, I like to bike ride. I like to, you know, be outside and, you know, do all the things like that. And I've done that here. And I, I think this, this place has been incredible because not only, uh, I always joke that I was scheduled before COVID, uh, to speak in Chicago, um, at a photography conference called ClickCon. And I always joke that it took me moving out of Chicago to speak in Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Because I had to, uh, I had always tried to do stuff like that, but it's just harder there. Like, it's harder to get in front of people. Here, the people are so approachable. Like, everyone mm. knows everybody, as we saw before we started recording. Like, yeah. you knew Derek and, and stuff like that. So it's like, everyone knows everybody. It was. It's easier to connect with people. It's easier to find out what's going on and... I love that. I like. I actually like the smaller city probably more than the bigger one. But wow, Indy's grown on you. That's cool. Oh, it has. Yeah, and I mean, I'm a Midwest person. Like, it's yeah, not like yeah. Yeah, Chicago's three hours away. It's not like LA. <laughs> yeah, and I go back to Chicago, uh, you know, often at least before COVID. Like, I would go back, you know, probably too often. <laughs> um, you know, but now with with everything that we went through with the pandemic, like I've been away for probably the. I probably haven't been to Chicago or been away from Chicago this long my entire life, wow. <laughs> which is kind of crazy. So I do miss it. And I, I like going to visit. I saw all, all my friends are in the West suburbs. So my family's in the West suburbs, my sister's in like the Northwest and my parents are still in the same house. So, That's so you know, cool. I still, I still can get my, my fix of Chicago. Anytime. <laughs> Definitely, <laughs> That's awesome. Um, how long have you been active online through your photography and like, how has that been going? I know you mentioned earlier, like you've been interested in the marketing side of things and some of that. Um, I mean, I, I have been like, I felt like I was a little bit ahead of my years because I was doing a show in college called Flatline TV. It was like a, a show that I made with my friends, but it actually aired. Nice. <laughs> um, it was like kind of like a sketch comedy show. It's like, it's on YouTube. Don't watch it, but <laughs> it's, uh, it was funny and it was fun, but I, I loved like working on that show. And the the one thing I wanted to do is get people to watch it. And, you know, who's going to, when you're in college, like t- t- tune into the local like TV station in your dorm room or whatever to watch like this 30 minute, like weird show, like strange <laughs> things. Nobody would have done that, but people definitely Thus we tried. it. They, well, they would have watched it on YouTube. And I think YouTube was just starting to exist like the year that I graduated college and it had, I'd been like a little bit, either had a little bit more like foresight and a little more planning and, and 
tried that out a little more. I could have got maybe some of those sketches like on YouTube in the really, really early days of YouTube. And who knows, like that could have taken off because stuff like yeah, when yeah. stuff went up early on, that's how people became like YouTube stars and things like that. Like the, know? what was that Tazon day dude? He was like, yeah, right? yeah, exactly. Cause there just wasn't <laughs> some a, goofy a, video. Yeah. It wasn't, there wasn't a saturation of content then and things would get shared, you know, viral, viral, I hate that term viral video. <laughs> like even working at all the, the agencies that I worked for, we would get creative people that are creative directors that would come to us. Yeah. We're shooting like, for something viral. Yeah. They right. would be like, can you make us a viral video? Yeah. What's the I'll recipe for get that? Right on that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say we didn't try, but uh, right. yeah, never, no, nothing ever took off that way. Yeah. And that recipe is always changing too. It is. Yeah. And it changes every, every day. What was the original question from that? Cause oh, I, um, <laughs> just, I guess, how long have you been active on social oh, right, media right. or online, I guess? Yeah. So I guess like I had wanted to be on it or I saw the potential in it early on, but I had been, I was on Instagram like the year it, it became available. When so was I, that? I don't even remember. Like 20. 12, 2013 or something? Maybe 10 or 11, I think. That's crazy. So I've been on it. Like, it's like, it's kind of disheartening sometimes because I only have like a couple thousand followers or something like that. I was like, I should have like 10,000 just because I've been on it for so long. (laughs) But at the same time, I never really had like a theme to my account. I think those were some of the more successful ones, the people who really like create like a style with Mm. their Instagram account. Now it's just the wild west. Who knows? Like yeah, literally, the <laughs> algorithms are just like yeah, yeah, tucked yeah. away in some friggin' safe that's exactly. guarded by like people with rifles. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, and I still I love posting to it. I would post to it probably if nobody watched it. I, I go back to it myself and look at it as like a, a little portfolio, yeah. or a little like you know how you used to print off four by six prints or whatever. You get them from like Walgreens or something. Like I, I still have like albums at my parents' house of just like all these albums of four by six prints. I look at Instagram as that box of prints. Yeah, that's cool, man. <laughs> like I, I do it as, like, yes, it would be great if people followed and were interested in what I was doing, but I'd probably do it either way. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy these days. Like, you know, if you just create an Instagram account like today, for instance. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It just feels sometimes like you're just like screaming into just like a dark black room like we're in right yeah, now exactly. and no one's in the room with you you know what i mean and i i've gone through phases like where i'm like oh, I sh- you know why do i do this but i do it because i like sharing my work yeah uh, I like i like having a personally a place to go back to and easily scroll through and like oh look at what i've did did over the last year like that that's a good catalog thing. story yeah yeah i look at it more as like a life portfolio than hmm. than then like I'm trying to get a bunch of followers. <laughs> yeah. If right. I was trying to get a bunch of followers, I'd be like in a hole somewhere like crying. Cause I <laughs> don't have like hardly any after all these years. Yeah. But <laughs> Yeah. It's crazy. But, like that stuff's wild. Um, what are some of your current inspirations? Um, well, so the, the guy that I work for at photo PXL is probably one of my biggest inspirations at this stage because, um, he is, I, I call him a mythical character. <laughs> he's like, you know, his 60s, um, has done everything, been everywhere, has been a photographer his entire life, basically. Um, and I, I came to meet him just through connecting with people around town, uh, actually through, um, um, her name's Meredith at Robert's Camera. When I, this was actually before I moved down here, but I knew I was going to be moving down here. There was this... Um, 
gallery show that took place at Robert's camera. And it was like, uh, the show was prints of Instagram posts basically. So I, I, the way you would submit like for the, the gallery competition was like, you would hashtag certain pictures and then like these mm. judges would look at them and they would pick out their top ones and then they would print them off like an actual gallery. It was called Robert's gallery. Nice. Night. And, um, I had gotten a picture in, but it was before I moved here. <laughs> So they had this like big event. It had like you know some drinks and snacks, and you could walk up and see all the prints on the wall. And there was like a competition on who would win that particular category. I had a picture in the portrait category, so I ended up talking to to Meredith, who works at Roberts. I didn't know really exactly what her role was at the time, but I knew that she was like in charge of the gallery night. <laughs> so I said hi to her. I said, "Hey, I'm going to be moving here." In like a month or two, I'm looking to do video content. I knew she worked at a camera store, so she might know somebody. <laughs> and it turned out like, you know, I'm thinking she wouldn't even remember my name, let alone actually like connect me to anyone. So I went home uh, back in Chicago. I was riding my bike to work uh, in Chicago. I remember this like so well. And she she had reached out to me and said that I gave your name to this guy, Kevin Rayburn, and he's going to call you about potentially doing some work or whatever cool. (laughs) I was riding my bike to work and, uh, uh, this number came up on my phone as I was bike riding. So I pulled off the trail and I'm looking at my phone. It was him. And he called me. Yeah. I'm out of (laughs) breath. I'm like, Hey, uh, how's it going? And we had this conversation. I said, I do video. It went pretty well and told him when I'd be, be downtown or be back into Indianapolis like permanently. And he's like, yeah, I can use your help. Uh, I I need a local videographer. I was like, awesome. <laughs> so it was kind of like a serendipity moment when I moved down, I started shooting for him. And he at the time was working for a website called Luminous Landscape, which is like a pretty well-renowned photography website. Hmm. And um, he had been, he was running that website. So we ended up, I ended up working for him for like a year for Luminous Landscape. And it was insane. <laughs> really? He uh, he knew everybody in the photography industry, like at the highest levels. And um, he was getting invited to like launch events for new cameras and stuff from Jeez. like Sony and Canon and all this kind of stuff. And I started shooting with him. And next thing you know, he's asking me to go with him to Hawaii to, to this Canon launch event. And, and I like, was uh, like, right, I'm cool. like, are you kidding me? <laughs> it's like a, like a dream world. And next thing you know, like, he's like, oh, you've been doing such a great job. I'm doing this photography workshop in a place called the Palouse, which is like in Washington state. And it's like, that's pretty there. It's like, yeah, it's like four, four people in a, in a van that he, he's like a guide basically. He's been here to this location so many times. And I, I went to do like document, you know, video content of this like trip and kind of come up with marketing materials for it for him his workshop but also to document the trip and and it was like is this really happening kind of a thing and um it continued like ended up going to california for a sony event and this was all like the two years before so it's 2018 i think so uh yeah it continued doing that you know all good things <laughs> you know come to an end but what ended up happening is there were some things that happened with Luminous Landscape and Kevin kind of got pushed out of that, that role. Bummer. And along with that role, like I went out obviously out as well and uh, another part of his team as well. So 
but this this guy being the guy that he is like he has no off switch like he took it as like a kind of a personal you know like he looked at it as a as a I don't know what I'm trying to trying to say. He's like got a, like a vendetta now. He's like I'm just gonna do something yet. better. There was may have been a little bit of that, <laughs> that that added into it, and I don't make it sound like that. But he had like he's like I'm just gonna do that. I'm gonna start over. I'm gonna do yeah. this. So yeah, like not give up. He could re- probably could have retired and just called it a day. Went and shot pictures the rest of his life, which is what he wants to do. But he's just like I want to do this. I want to create a photography community on the on the internet, and I want to travel with people and whatnot. And, and we started over <laughs> from scratch and, uh, I, I've helped him, been helping him ever since. I still do video content. Um, he got a whole new website up. That's the photopxl.com website. It's, it looks awesome. He worked with a local web designer to build it out. I was at the, the dinner where the new, um, where the logo was kind of first made, uh, nice. a napkin. Epic. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, it was one of those things. And, it's been it's been pretty successful like it's it's maintaining itself i mean it's not the luminous landscape had been around literally since like the birth of the internet Hmm. so it had like a subscriber base a huge subscriber base just gnarly and just been around for yeah forever it's it's any like anything that when you're the first at something like you're automatically kind of like you're gonna be around for a, a long time so I don't. I haven't gone really back to that website very much, so I don't know where it resides right now. But um, yeah, it's, it was a whirlwind time. But that all led into the Antarctica trip that I took. Uh, I went with him, and it it was kind of one of those things where he had somebody else lined up to go as like a kind of an educator, photographer, educator person, and that person ended up having to not, or not being able to go last minute. And he's like, he's like, you're coming with me. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what was the basis of the trip? Like the, the trip was, uh, he ran a workshop with uh, about 30 people, um, which was half of the ship that we were on called the Magellan Explorer, which is like a Antarctic, uh, Antarctic cruise ship, basically uh, tourist ship. So we, his group was about half of the ship. The other half was another like 30 people, but they weren't exactly associated with, with our group. So it was under Rock Hopper Workshops, which hmm. is Kevin's uh, photography side of things. So uh, I went as an instructor and also, again, like a documentarian. <laughs> and to this day, like I, this was all literally right before we got back in February and of last year yeah the next Dang. week is when things started to like lock Dude, that's crazy it's insane to think about because when we were there the boat that we were on there was two two passengers that were supposed to be on the ship from hong kong and they were not allowed to come on the ship Dang. and we had no idea at the time like like you guys were like, oh, that's weird. Yeah, we're <laughs> like, oh, I'm glad they're being safe, but yeah, like, come on, like, what's the big deal? <laughs> yeah, like we had no reason to believe that we would we would be in this position like almost a year. Uh, yeah, literally almost a year later, I would have been getting ready to go like right now, <laughs> which is pretty crazy. I cannot believe that's only been a year. <laughs> yeah, that's wild, man. It seems like it's been ten years. Um, what was it, what was that trip like? Like, it was. Uh, I tend to get a little uh, overly anxious about stuff. Like it's always been a thing. I've had problems with anxiety and stuff. I was nervous as hell, like to to go on this trip, just from like 
not knowing what to expect, not knowing, knowing how far away it was going to be. And I had like, a, you know, my youngest son was, was, you know, just born not that long ago. And I was like in September and I was like, this is, this just seems crazy, but, um, it was a once in a lifetime opportunity. Like I obviously couldn't pass up. So my well, wife, what were your that. thoughts before you went, uh, as far as either anxieties or just like, uh, why are we doing this type of a thing? Is it something you wanted to do? Or? Yeah, I definitely wanted to go. Um, I thought in some ways it's like an artist, you know, being an artist. Like I didn't feel like I was worthy of going really? <laughs> in some ways. So I was like, I was like, man, I was like, I don't deserve this. Like, what did I do to deserve this kind of a thing? Like people, like, you know, the people that would go on these trips were like, you know, worked their whole life. Yeah. And they've traveled the world and, and whatnot. And I was like, it, it was funny when I got on the ship and I was the youngest passenger on the ship probably by 20 years. Really? Yeah. But that's not, I mean, that's not saying a bad thing, but people like, like my age just simply can't afford to go on a trip like mm-hmm. that, let alone like. Some people probably don't necessarily want to go to Antarctica yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> or know like what it has to offer. Um, it's probably not on the, the top of everyone's list of places to travel. So when I got there, I was actually more in line with a lot of like the expedition staff and stuff like that. The people that worked on the ship, the people that were the guides, uh, which was really awesome because I felt like I was kind of like a part of that. Hmm. Granted, it, I did looking back on it, I now understand, but the staff and stuff were pretty they stayed away from the people like the passengers quite a bit. And the stories I, Kevin had been to Antarctica like 20 something times. So he's done wow. this that many times. So for him, he's like, Oh, we're just going to Antarctica. You know, it's like, he's packing up and going across the street. It's like he's going <laughs> Me, to I'm like sweating, like, Oh my God, do I have everything I need? And blah, blah, blah. So it was like, uh, it was kind of crazy, a crazy opportunity that, that just came out of, you know, this relationship. So that's wild. Pretty wild. (laughs) You were saying the, the crew doesn't necessarily have people per se. Yeah. So the crew like wasn't interacting with the passengers and the stories that Kevin had told me is like, he's like, yeah, you know, it was weird because the expedition staff would always have like drinks and stuff with you in the evening and talk about like different things. And that just wasn't happening. And we looked back on it. It was because they were being like warned, like not, oh, with COVID yeah, stuff to stay, like make sure you're you're staying as far away and as as like siloed as you can. I th- I think that was the reason. Um, at least like they were they were getting a lot of information that I, maybe just wasn't as available pu- like publicly at the time. I'm sure that they were at like top of the list being a, a cruise ship <laughs> on a relatively <laughs> as we, as isolated know, space. As we know, yeah. yeah, what happened with cruise ships? It was funny, like. There was one, one ship that went out after we got back, and that one ended up being stranded for 30 days. <laughs> That's <laughs> they, a rough spot to be stranded, They my had friend. to sit in a bay for 15 days because they had, they had a quarantine on the ship, so Dude. like they couldn't leave their, their like rooms on the boat. So it was like kind of like, I mean, kind of like being in jail in some ways. It's like you're confined to this room and, and floating in the in the ocean. Dang. <laughs> and you would get meals delivered to you and whatnot. And so we just, I mean, we just missed that, which is insane to think about. <laughs> that would have been a bummer. Yeah, yeah. Dang. So, but at the same time, like getting back and then all of a sudden, I had been traveling quite a bit with Kevin over the, the that previous year. I had all this like insane content from this trip 
and now I had nothing to do because every job that I had lined up or anything like working here at the studio space, everything was canceled. Mm. <laughs> I mean, for everybody, like everybody was at home. Everyone was like scared and not knowing what happened, what was going on. But as we kind of learned more and some of those, you know, stresses alleviated a little bit, you know, I was able to just kind of concentrate on the stuff that I did capture and figure out ways of utilizing it and then in making it important that's kind of what led into the ice cream thing like all like the most recent thing i've probably done so yeah tell us a little bit more about that for people who may not know well i did uh i put together a pretty robust video from the stuff that i shot in antarctica it's it's not really a documentary but it's kind of you know a 20 minute like recap of the trip and talks about kevin's experience and the other instructor that we had, his name's Art Wolf. I mean, he's like one of the most renowned wildlife photographers on the planet. Art Wolf? Yeah, he was, Bro, you know him? What? You no, know him? but what an awesome name to be a wildlife yeah, photographer. Yeah, you should go ahead and look him up. He's got two, He's a, there's a, a Netflix special called Tales by Light, and it's uh, he's like in three of the episodes or something. Like he's like the main guy. He's one of the, the best wildlife photographers Like that's probably currently walking around right now. That's crazy, man. <laughs> so he... Uh, that was another thing. I had looked up to him for years. I had like one of his books and stuff. And all of a sudden now I, I'm an instructor with him. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that like goes all the way back to what I was saying before. If you just continue to just do what you like to do, eventually things will, will like line up. I, I just like, I have to believe that cause that's what happened for me. So, yeah. <laughs> but what was your, what was your question? I keep getting sidetracked. Oh, track. just, um, I mean, you said you put a 20 minute like little oh, video yeah. together. What, what exactly if? So yeah, I put that together and we did like this YouTube premiere. Actually, we did it here at the box. We did like a live streaming event. This is when people were kind of confined to their homes. It was kind of like a wave of me of sharing my experience with just about anybody who was willing to watch it. <laughs> uh, we, Kevin and I came here, we sat down, we did like walk through a whole presentation. He had actually not seen the video that I put together. Um, so it was kind of like a reveal to him and he ended up crying. Nice. <laughs> so I was like, that's awesome. That, m- mission accomplished at that point. Um, so yeah, we ended up, ended up doing that. And then out of that, like, you know, when you're in Antarctica and you see all, all that it is and it's how the environment's being affected by us and as human beings and you're in this like remote part of the world where there's basically no human interaction, but you're seeing how, things are melting and wildlife's being affected and, and things like that. And it, like that has always kind of stuck out in my mind. Like <laughs> I try to, you know, do what I can or whatever, but I kind of looked at this as an, as an opportunity to actually, you know, try to spread the word a little bit. So I was looking at, looking at ways of like, how can I share this content in other ways? And I ended up um, coming across at, it's at Circles Ice Cream on Instagram. If nobody's familiar, you should check it out. But um, I looked them up on Instagram or came across their account, and I like oh, crazy I, delicious. Yeah, I love stuff. ice cream, obviously. So I was like, I had ordered some like a number of times, and I re- I reached out to him and I said, Hey, man, I'm. What do you think about making an Antarctica themed ice cream? What was his <laughs> response? He was like. That'd be cool. I don't know what that is or what that would mean. And we just literally started jokingly talking about it. Um, his name's Wes, and we ended up talking about this idea of, like, I wanted to put my logo on the on the pint of ice cream and make, like, this iceberg flavor. 
And he's like, oh, we should also do, we're just bouncing ideas off each other. He's like, we should also do like a penguin flavor and do like a fudge white, like vanilla swirl thing. And I'm he's like, speaking his language and you're like, that I'm sounds like, delicious. I'm like, that would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so he got excited and then I got more excited. And then we kept like bouncing things off each other. We ended up coming up with the idea of making a postcard, making it look like it came from Antarctica. And then when you buy, bought the ice cream, you'd get the postcard with it. Nice. <laughs> so, and then we started working with the zoo and the zoo like liked what we were doing. They had a penguin exhibit at the zoo. So I went and shot a video in the penguin exhibit and we made like this whole little campaign thing where it was the that ice started from just a direct message yeah, with an ice cream company that's exactly right and it was it was like now if you go to michaelder.com slash circles it's got this whole little behind the scenes video and what we created goes into all of why we did it there's a penguin video we have a thing where you can win tickets to the zoo it got media attention that's awesome <laughs> so man. like we were interviewed on fox news and like the morning news no way Every, it was, like, such a wholesome, fun story that just literally came out of, like, two, you know, people doing what they love to do. He loves to make ice cream, and and it's just this is what happened. That's crazy, man. <laughs> so it's kind of crazy. And that's kind of how we, I, we we started this idea of, of doing this recording or whatever. So. Yeah, man. I, I watched that video you put together, too, of, you know, it's so cute with the little penguins. and Yeah, yeah. I think it, it was like a clip of your son or something, like, drawing on top of the penguin. Yeah, exactly. That so funny. And that was too cool for me, too, like, coming back from this trip and being involved in this Antarctica stuff now for so, so long, all the while having, like, you know, now a three-and-one-year-old it has affected them. Like they, they like penguins. <laughs> they got like my, my oldest son sleeps with a penguin. We call him Magellan. Aww. We named him after the boat Nice. and he sleeps when he calls him Magellan. He can't go to sleep without him. So it's like, we, we went to the zoo, like during a pandemic, uh, they let us, they let us into the penguin exhibit, uh, with my son and he was able to see the penguins and it's really like, like altered, not altered, but it's like enhanced his like lifestyle and things that he's gotten to do. Like that's so cool, man. It's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, I'll probably remember that for sure. I hope so. <laughs> or at least have an, aff an affinity for you know maybe wildlife or something. Who knows what yeah. paths people take? Exactly, and maybe and in the future out. he'll be making digital collaborations with. And it's funny <laughs> the companies. I, the girl I interviewed who who runs the the penguin habitat at the zoo. We interviewed her, and she ended up like tearing up during our interview basically saying exactly what we're saying right now. Like she was given, you know, this, the time of day by this, this, uh, zookeeper when she was really young. And she said, this zookeeper took me aside and like showed me all these, these things that, that they did and for, for, for work and stuff. And it got her really into it. And that's what she ended up doing with her life. It's that's like, wild. it's crazy. <laughs> and it's funny. Like, I, I didn't tell you this actually just tomorrow, tomorrow, <laughs> I am uh, speaking at a school in town on Antarctica. Nice. <laughs> it's uh, And they found me. One of the teachers saw the Circles ice cream thing, and she's like, I want to reach out to this guy and see if he'll come present like to the students or whatever. So I'm talking to like 25 kids tomorrow Heck yeah. about Antarctica. What age? <laughs> you know, it's funny. I'm not exactly sure how old they are. I know they're, they're younger. I, I think it's like middle school age. Nice. I don't know 100% sure. I'm ready. I'm prepared for both. Both. <laughs> yeah, the only reason I ask is because I, I cadet taught in high school. In, oh, you did? In, in the art room. Um, with, it was kind of cool. He was my elementary school art teacher. 
And so by the time I become, you know, a senior in high school, I get to, you know, go back to being in the art class I started in, you know, working with the same teacher. But it was funny because the different kids, the the different grades and the perceptions that they have are so funny. So like the kindergartners and the first graders are always like, you know, hi, Mr. Smith, how are you doing today? And they're, they're so eager to learn and to talk to you. And then like the fifth graders would come in, like yeah. they just quietly sit down and start looking <laughs> at you. And then one kid walks up, he's like, why is your hair orange? And you're just like, That's hi, right. what's your name? Yeah, exactly. You know? I'm a little nervous about what I'm going to run into. I think middle now. schoolers will definitely be open to it for yeah. sure. It's going to be cool. I got some video stuff to show. So That's who awesome. doesn't like watching Literally. videos in school? <laughs> That's one of the things that definitely piqued my interest with, you know, I already knew what circles was. Right. Um, I already knew you sent me that photograph and I already loved your photography work. Thanks. But once I saw your you know, the Circles collaboration I just thought was so cool and so unique because it is these two different worlds. Mm. You know, you got a dude who makes ice cream and you got a dude who takes photographs and does videography. Mm. What if, if you just sat those two people in a room and were like, all right, guys, come up with something, <laughs> you, you know, you'd be scratching your head probably, but you had this connection with, you probably provided him with some photos or something and then yep. it got the ball rolling and him thinking, oh, we, you know, we could do this flavor or this color or something like that. It's yeah. just so neat, man. And I just... That's the main reason I wanted to have you on is to chat not only about that, but also your background as well. Yeah, I know we touched on a lot of stuff, so. <laughs> Definitely, dude. Um, do you have any, speaking of younger generation and whatnot, do you have any advice for a younger photographer or younger artist who's just starting, just getting going? It's always a tough question for me because, like, it's like I say, you just got to kind of continue to do what you what you like to do. and that doesn't always pay the bills, (laughs) unfortunately. Um, so there's like, you have to kind of weigh, weigh things, right? Like, you know, I, I probably a much different lifestyle than, you know, especially when I was living in Chicago, you know, you'd think like, Oh, you go out to eat all the time. And like, you're, you had this whole city at your disposal. And I was like, yeah, but we didn't really have much, (laughs) much money to spend. Like I, I did a lot of stuff outdoors and, and things that you don't necessarily need to, but my advice is just to kind of, you know, continue to do what you like. Um, try to find ways to, you know, don't devalue yourself. I think a lot of artists, myself included, they Same. devalue themselves. It's just, it's a natural thing, I think. And you know why that is. It's because they do it for free. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They they like to do what they like to do and they do it Whoops. for free. And uh, that can be taken advantage of. I Mm. think so. I mean, one of the things I want to do, you know, with this magazine is I want to commission artists. I want to pay artists (laughs) to do stuff, to make stuff, to put in the magazine, to promote events and things like that. Like it's hard, uh, to make a living as an art. They always, you know, the starving artist that didn't just come out of the thin air, you know? (laughs) So I always, I, I've always had like when I was working, like I worked for businesses, for marketing agencies, it's taking whatever art, that you like to do and finding a way to like monetize it in in some fashion, like whether it's working, you know, at a marketing agency or for a non-for-profit and doing design work or, you know, creating art installations or murals and things like that, trying to find a business that's going to support you in that. It is a lot of like kind of selling yourself, which again, another thing that artists aren't the great at sometimes. <laughs> kind, of, kind of the awkward type. <laughs> yeah. And that, it's not true of all of artists, but you know, like 
maybe for uh, more more so than not, like you know, they like to do what they do and they're humble about it most likely <laughs> and they're not going to be the ones to go out and be like hey you want to want to do this and like yeah. that type of thing i guess i i don't know where i i, I got some of that from <laughs> maybe it was i have no idea where that came maybe from. parents or something no i don't no. think so <laughs> i'm not sure i never really thought about that i Could guess I, your, your buddies bouncing back and forth probably and... friends I, I like collaborating with with friends like i was saying you surround yourself with people that kind of think the same way and if you could find, like, there's co-working spaces and things like that once COVID lifts more and places like this at the box where you're just around other creatives, you'll think of ways to, like, what can we do here that, you know, you know could be cool or could, could make us some money or something like that. So it's like, yeah, it's, I don't know if that's – it's not a great succinct answer to, no, that's fine. to that question. But it's, it's a hard one, especially for me, because I don't feel like I'm in, like, the position still to, like, give advice to other artists. Dude, I don't <laughs> feel like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I started this podcast, too, as just, like, a way for creatives to, just like we're doing right now, chat just about different experiences and stuff. But that's why I always struggle with if I do a podcast on my own because it's like, dude, I'm so new to this. Like, mm-hmm. I don't – I shouldn't be telling people advice. I'm still figuring so much stuff out exactly. myself, you yeah, know. Yeah. But that's just to say, you know, what's what's a conversation going to hurt per se or yep. you know, just because I'm new to something doesn't mean I may have some experience in something that I learned a lesson from and and maybe can pass some of that stuff along. Um that being said, this is kind of unrelated to, you know, how to inspire the youth per se, <laughs> but just from a you know, my own curiosity perspective. I have a question here that's, did you fly drones in Antarctica? Because, like, I just recently purchased a drone, and, yeah. like, with pretty crazy winds, it gets a little hairy. So, like, it's did a, you do that there? A pretty funny question, actually. Uh, we did not. You're not, not allowed to fly them there. I was going to say. Um, well, at least you have to have a very specialized permit to do it, and it's a lot of things you have to go through to get it. Uh, and I couldn't fly it from the boat that I was on because of the just the rules of that particular organization. It's very – they have to keep tabs on it because if someone crashes one <laughs> or can't get Someone's it. Someone's got to go get it. Yeah, it's like it needs to – the whole thing down there is to keep everything pristine and, and, and whatnot. Definitely. So, but it's, it's funny. Like I actually – and if you're looking for someone to talk to, you should talk to this guy. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you've heard of NERC FPV. Actually, yeah. I, I was going to actually touch on that. Really? Yeah, my buddy – I have a friend, Mac Walker is his name. I don't know if – you may not know him. I think NERC might <laughs> – but Mac is like this crazy dude I went to high school with who was basically almost my neighbor in my neighborhood. And um, he like flies these little kit planes. Yeah, yeah. And he's he went to school for like, you know, airplane mechanic stuff. And like he worked in the, I think he worked with the Indianapolis International Airport fixing cool. these crazy huge planes. And, st- and he's just like some wild guy. Yeah, yeah. And like I think he knows Nurk somewhat and like... <laughs> I think Nurk's trying to fly a drone around Mac's plane or something at the same like you're gonna laugh at this, but literally before I, I left my house, he stopped by to pick up some gear from me. Nice. <laughs> he, we're like, well, he's like probably my best friend here in Indianapolis. Really, that's yeah. what's up. Yeah, we met very early on when I moved here. It's that's a story in itself, but it's pretty funny though. Yeah, if you wanted, you should talk to him. Yeah, I'd love to, man. He's I, a very unique. Uh, awesome creative guy as well so. yeah my buddy max like he's off the wall and so he he i think just showed me one of nurk's videos and yeah. i was like wait 
this like this guy's <laughs> here in our state. Yeah, he's uh, like, well, you know, he was like the 2018 FPV drone. He won the competition. Like it's he, crazy. It's a it's a he's traveled the world like flying drones. That's so baller, <laughs> man. He just worked with uh, was it Mark Rober? Um, I saw that the NASA yeah. guy. Uh, he's a, a YouTuber, I think, or something. And um, I, it's funny, I didn't really know him all that well, which makes me feel old. But <laughs> <laughs> he uh, he was trying to film a uh, NF, like an NFL kicker kicking a field goal and following the ball with the drone and he ended up pulling pulling that off which is pretty cool yeah i saw the video it's insane <laughs> so yeah it's just cool how and it's another reason i wanted to talk to you is just like i don't know when you're landlocked in indianapolis sometimes <laughs> like you just get into cycles of everybody does pretty mundane workable stuff yeah and they don't do anything necessarily i don't know like groundbreaking or crazy people just i mean you get i've done it too you just get stuck kind of in the everyday nine to five type of thing so sure. When I see outliers like you and like Nurk that are just like, dude, what? They went to Antarctica and made an ice cream. Nurk's flying some crazy drones for like <laughs> some guy who well, was a NASA astronaut. It's just crazy, man. I'm glad to be to be spoken in the same sentence as him. So that's fun. Definitely, man. <laughs> well, cool. Anything else you want to chat about or anything per uh, se? I would love to chat more. I actually have to pick up my kids from school here in a, in a few minutes, but. Definitely, man. I love this. Was a great opportunity. I love talking with you. It was fun going through kind of my story and actually for myself seeing some of the things that I never really put together before. <laughs> yeah, man. So much of the creative process it just kind of you know floats in your head and it's like subconsciously there, but putting it to words and and aligning the memories in an order, you're like, oh shoot. Yeah, exactly. I never <laughs> thought that like that before. Yeah, like a kind of a re- living resume there. Well, cool, man. Thank you very much, Michael. I appreciate the chat, dude. And um, feel free to, if you're listening to this podcast and you want to see more of Michael's work, what is the webpage? Uh, my Instagram is probably the best. It's instadur, but it's michaeldur.com as well if you're interested in learning more. Cool, <laughs> yeah. You guys definitely check out Michael's stuff. Um, feel free to like, share, and subscribe this podcast. Um, if you have someone that you know who's an Antarctica fan, Definitely shoot them the information from Michael's collaboration with Circles Ice Cream. Shout out Circles Ice Cream, too. And yeah, uh, definitely sure. Nurk. Yeah. Be, I'd love to chat with that dude for real. Oh, I'll get you him. Cool, man. <laughs> well, thanks, buddy. With that, I guess we'll call it. Sounds good. Peace. Peace.